You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And Jackson, this trip was not exactly what we planned uh, from start to finish. <laughs> kind of ugly. Uh, but wh- what are your thoughts on this last trip here? Yeah, not at all what we anticipated. I mean, San Jose State just came out <clears throat> right from the jump. And uh, I mean, I put it out there on X. It felt like that. San Jose State pretty much called the game in the first quarter going up 21-3. to I mean, that's tough to come back from. Uh, it's not impossible, but just the way it happened, the total avalanche from the Spartans out of the gates. Uh, and then it became 28-3, to and then it really felt hopeless. And <laughs> kind of surprisingly, the Bulldogs, they, they had a window there. They could have snuck back into it. I mean, they're down 28-10, to and uh, they're threatening for points before halftime and they come up empty they're threatening to score early in the third quarter and it turns into a freaking 98 yard <laughs> pick six so uh any chance they had of, of getting back in it was uh quickly squashed but very difficult when you take Jacob Spomer out of the game at left tackle with his injury it's been confirmed as an ACL tear out for the year um always difficult of course when you're starting quarterback has to exit the game with injury um so that those two things, plus playing from behind, plus the defense really having a tough time against the Spartan offense, all collided at one time. Yeah, it just looked like the uh, the Bulldogs just were not into this game. There was no energy on that sideline. Um, it was pretty flat. Now, it's kind of hard to get any energy when you've got a stadium that's, uh, I don't know, Jackson, looks like a high school stadium. There's only st- seats on half of the stadium it was it was an eerie feel stepping onto that field field uh for me so i can only imagine how the players felt so it was it was there was something off about that whole experience there yeah it's a strange spot because behind the bulldogs there's no fans there's like (laughs) 20 spartan fans on patio furniture on that cement sidewalk and then there's the suites and their new building above that so um, there's not much noise or atmosphere coming from behind the team like you're used to seeing, even in stadiums where it's not huge crowds. You've got people behind it usually. Um, <laughs> it usually spurring you on yeah. one way or another. And I will say I won't name names, but there were enough people for the, some of the Bulldog players to chirp back and forth with those <laughs> handful of Spartan fans on the patio furniture. So that was probably more frustration boiling over for the Bulldogs than anything else. But, yeah, it was um, – you know, I the Bulldogs have gone into that situation before. They were there two years ago and just totally annihilated the Spartans on Thanksgiving Day um, with the same kind of thing. But, it, you know, I, no one will come out and say it but uh, from the team's perspective, but it, it just kind of feels like, you know, Fresno State got really up for Boise State the week before and that kind of the Bulldogs were San Jose State's Boise State this week and Fresno State didn't answer that bell. So it kind of feels... Uh, at least when a game goes that ugly. Coach Tedford will tell you it was all X's and O's. They didn't stop the run. They gave up early passes. They didn't execute well on offense, but it felt like there was just more than that. It's hard to imagine the Bulldogs getting crushed like that just based off of pure X's and O's. Well, San Jose came out uh, and did exactly what Fresno State uh, did the the previous week against Boise State. They came out firing uh, the deep ball a few times there and coming up with some big plays. And I think that kind of threw 
the Fresno State defense off and had them on their heels the entire game. They gave up over 300 yards rushing, uh, which I, I I can't remember the last time they did that, Jackson. 300 yards in a single game. Uh, yeah, it hasn't happened this year. Um, shout out to Fresno State uh, Media Relations for going through and finding those numbers. I'm sure they didn't enjoy that process, but <laughs> uh, they did give up 300-plus in that loss at Boise State in the regular season last year. But probably the bigger number here is Kyrie Robinson's 200 individual rushing yards. That had not been done since 2018, also against Boise State. I believe Alexander Madison did that against the Bulldogs. So it had been a a solid five years since anyone had to eclipse 200 yards on the dogs and by one running back. Yeah, it, it is definitely not something that uh, we're we're used to seeing, especially this past year w- where the Bulldogs have been pretty good against the run. They've been able to bend but not break. This was a, a complete implosion of the yeah. of the run defense that happened this past weekend. And so it was not not a fun thing to watch. It just seems like the, the Bulldogs, no matter what they did, they just could not slow down the running game of San Jose State and were able to do whatever they wanted at will. Um, and thus made it very difficult for the Bulldogs to come back and made them one-dimensional where they had to try and pass the ball a little bit more. And when that happens, especially when you don't have your starting quarterback, <laughs> that can become a problem, um, especially now there's a big question mark on that starting quarterback position, right, Jackson? Yeah, so, of course, Mikey Keene had to exit the game and didn't really get a clear answer of where things stood with him, and there's still a lot of that going on this week too, um, whether it's gamesmanship or just uh, legitimate, of, you know, where he stands right now. Coach Tedford did say it was mild concussion symptoms that took him out of the game, so you have to go through a, a bit of a protocol. So, uh, so read between the lines there. Yeah, uh, when it when it's a concussion, chances are he may not show up this week. Yeah, uh, so you you've got. The Tedford and other coaches saying, you know, he's okay, but he's also got this protocol he has to go through. And so that when they say they don't know if he's going to play, it's pretty legitimate. But if he's unable to practice, I'm not exactly sure. They're a little tight this week about what's going on at practice. You would assume if Logan's getting the majority, if not all the reps, that he, they would have to go with him on game day. But um, I'm not 100% sure if that is the case. So. It's a bit of wait and see. What we do know is that Jacob Spomer is not going to be there. So whoever's at quarterback is going to potentially have a tough time with be running for the life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to be a, definitely a problem when you, when they start talking about pro, um, concussion protocols. There are a number of steps that they have to go through, and a lot of times they will not clear them if they are not uh, comfortable with him being out there, even if it looks like he doesn't have any symptoms. Once you get a concussion it's really simple to get another one, right, Jackson? So that's that's why they have to be very careful here. Yeah, and I, it sounds like it wasn't anything too severe that they're overly concerned about, but um, it sound, from what I'm hearing, it's been compared to what Magdalena went through at Utah State, which he didn't miss any time, but the team had a bye after the Utah State game. So maybe if the Bulldogs had played that next week, would he have been available? I don't know. And it's, again, not necessarily about – how is he doing or feeling, but if all the steps been completed. So um, the, it's going to be a bit of a mystery, I guess, unless they come out and say it before Saturday or if it leaks out. But um, I would assume that Keen will be back no later than the season finale against San Diego State if he's not already back on Saturday. Yeah, that's definitely... 
definitely something we'll have to keep an eye on. And of course, we don't know about as much as you do uh, uh, whether or not Keen will be playing, um, or or do we, Jackson? <laughs> Uh, that's that's for people to find out at the boards <laughs> um, but um but you know we can only we can only mention what we know or what we we can only speculate so anything that we say here doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen uh but uh, you know having mikey Keene probably if you if you ask me chances are i don't think he's going to play but you know that that's besides the point. I'm not the one making the decision or not whether or not he's going to play. So I'm I'm thinking we're going to see uh, you know more of Fife. Any possibility we may even see uh, Mandel <laughs> Jackson. It, you know, granted, right now he could play and still redshirt. Yeah, that's one intriguing thing is that the Bulldogs will have no more than four games remaining, and he hasn't appeared yet. So uh, maybe they try to get him in, uh, but I will. Would assume if Keen's healthy, he'll start. If not, Fife will start. And I, I don't think they're going to do anything out of the ordinary to put Mandel in the game. Um, but if it is lopsided, which for Fresno State you hope it is, they're favored by 24. I'm not feeling – I'm not really going into this game expecting a blowout based off what happened last week and all the injuries that occurred. Um, but if you can get way out ahead, of course, you'd love to see them give Mandel a drive or two at the end. I don't think they'll do anything further than that. Um, I mean, if it was going to happen any week, this would be the week. Yeah. I, I mean, this is the team that everyone says is the worst team in the conference. Now, whether or not that's going to translate onto the field, that's a different story. Because we've seen this before, Jackson. We've seen <laughs> we've seen this movie. We've seen where it's supposed to be the worst team in the league, and then uh, Fresno State barely wins. Yeah. So, so Some good news is Fife did start against New Mexico last year, so he's gone through the game prep of going for the Lobos last year. They're not entirely different on defense. Um, so this would be a ideal game for Fife to be the starter and to get the Bulldogs through this week and uh, see what happens the following week. Um, uh, New Mexico has changed quite a bit on offense. We'll get to that later on. But um, defensively, I think Fife, this is a, a matchup that he should be pretty comfortable with. Granted, the Bulldogs can block well enough to allow him to execute. Um, and then... Uh, going further on injuries, I mean, Torian Penwright, the backup to Jacobs Bomer, he got hurt in that game at the end. And then that defensive tackle, Gabriel Lightfoot and Johnny Hudson both got dinged up. So, I mean, the Bulldogs could be pretty undermanned in the trenches depending on where all those guys stand. And, again, it's been a little hush-hush this week with the quarterback situation. So, um, But I will tell you, if you go on the boards, I, I will be interviewing – the players that could potentially be in those spots if uh, the normal starters aren't out there. Yeah. So yeah, if you want more information on that, go over to the barkboard.com and get the latest scoop on who will be stepping in uh, for those injured players. Now, Jackson, just watching uh, that Valley trophy, just head over and stay in San Jose painful to watch um, yet. You know, they were happy, but <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> and I had to film it. So, um, but it was, it, it's definitely, it doesn't seem like every year. Uh, it's kind of like that year where Boise was the only game we lost that we lost the milk can, but we were able to bring all the other trophies back to Fresno. It seems like we can never get all the trophies at one time, Jackson. <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I've, Gabe had a feature, you know, about 
this team could have potentially been a New Year's Six team, not necessarily because they're that good, but because the rest of the group of five is pretty weak this year. There's not a lot of standout teams, and Fresno State had a much easier schedule than normal. And so, um, you know, they, they weren't able to take advantage, unfortunately, here. Uh, they still have a chance to win a conference championship. But, yeah, I mean, even uh, the, the number I wanted to get to in that feature that he had was that uh, I believe he said it's been since the 80s, since Fresno State's been perfect in conference play. And that was something that it was hard for me to wrap my mind around just because <laughs> they've they won quite a few conference championships over that span. You would have thought one of them would be undefeated. and I, But, you know, thinking back, yeah, pretty much all the championships that Tedford has won, they lost to Boise first in the regular season and then beat them in the championship. And uh, 2013, they lost to San Jose State and still got the championship. 2012 was a shared championship. So, um to, to circle back around some of the San Jose State issues that we haven't touched on, I, I think the bye week that the Spartans had going into that game was pretty big. Uh, talking to their players, they seemed like they were very, very prepared what was coming for them. One player, uh, Matthew Tago, who had Mikey Keene's interception, said he saw the running back make his move at the snap and knew exactly what that play was going to be. He said they saw it 100 times in practice or in film, having that extra week to prepare for quote-unquote, so um, they seemed ultra-prepared for the Bulldogs and seemed to know what was coming, and um, the Bulldogs' run defense, as mentioned, um, was unusually weak. Um, it seemed like they were pushed around at the line of scrimmage as well as out of position quite a few times, which hasn't happened really this year against anyone that, that I've caught. Um, they typically don't give up big running plays, but to anyone. And then lastly, I think the X factor you brought up early was that San Jose State threw the ball very well right out of the gates, and they only completed nine passes the whole game, but it set the table for the rest of the game to open up the run, and I think the biggest thing there, um, I, I thought the weak leak for the Spartans would be that they wouldn't have enough receiving targets beyond Nick Nash, and those two touchdowns they throw go to Malachi Miller and Isaac Jernigan, who I don't think had caught a touchdown all year long. So, I mean, they busted that theory open in the, the first couple of drives, so... Um, just a, a perfect storm uh, of San Jose State playing really good and Fresno State playing really bad. And now the Bulldogs are going to be tasked with uh, getting over it in time and going through senior day and, and bouncing back here against the Lobos. Well, not to mention that the they had a, a, a quarterback that seems like he's uh, been in college football forever. <laughs> <laughs> he just, uh, <laughs> it just, you know, the, I think he's in his, his super senior year, right? Yeah, he... And the weird thing about Chevin Cordero is that not only has he been in college for six years, but he played a lot in those four games in a way, like when he redshirted, a way that you don't normally get to play in those four games. And then he kind of split time as a quarterback, as a redshirt freshman, and then he started all the COVID year. So, I mean, he's played – he hasn't just been in college for six years. He's played almost six full seasons. <laughs> yeah, so he's got more experience than anybody on that field. Yeah. Uh, so he was definitely picking the Bulldogs apart. He had the time to do it. Uh, there was no pressure on him. Um, and, you know, it would have been, had he had any more weapons receiving-wise, it could have gotten even uglier. <laughs> mm. um, and granted, the score that you see on the on the board right now, I think it was, what, 40, 46? 42, 18. 42, uh, that could have easily been, you know, like 50 uh, because they, in the last, their last series, they kneeled the ball mm -hmm. and gave it back to the Bulldogs. So, and they were 
knocking on the door uh, uh, to score again. So this this yeah, game, I wouldn't have done that. No, <laughs> if I had the it was, opportunity. It was a rivalry <laughs> game, and they would have, you know, they probably would just want to. If it was us, we'd probably run up the score. Um, and, and I saw the difference there is they they kneeled it. They didn't want to run up the score. Bulldogs got the ball back, and instead of kneeling it, they ran a running play again. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> There's two sides to the coin here. Yeah. Uh, so things, you can tell these two teams do not like each other uh, when they come to town. That I believe, Jackson, there was a lot of weird things happening on that field. There's a little bit of gamesmanship happening uh, from the advertisements on the on the field <laughs> where we couldn't stand in front oh, yeah. to uh, to just uh, even even some of the refs just didn't seem like they were into this game so <laughs> it was a very weird atmosphere now granted that is not going to happen because this week it is going to be here at uh, Valley Children's uh, Stadium and so things are a little bit different when it's on our turf the energy is always there uh, so things should be uh, back up. You know, it's just the feel of the game should be back up again for the Bulldogs. Um, not to mention you've got New Mexico who is coming to town, who is, uh, you know, like I, for lack of a better term, has been labeled the worst team in the Mountain West Conference. The Bulldogs should be able to to do what they want at will on this one. Now, am I getting ahead of myself, Jackson? Are they overlooking this game? You know, it's... Well, first the energy, you know, hopefully it is there because <laughs> it better you know, be there. <laughs> we've seen sometimes where the Bulldogs have that kind of game that they just had against San Jose state. And some people decide not to come. The, the stadium was empty, right? <laughs> uh, from my understanding, ticket sales are, are pretty good. Might not sell out, but should be high thirties at the very least. Um, you got Aaron judge coming in. So hopefully that in itself uh, will bring some people out. Uh, he, him and Mike Bates will be honored at halftime uh, for having their baseball jerseys retired. Um, you've got senior day, so you hope people show up for that. You'll have extra family members at the least for the team. So I think they'll be all right. Um, there may be rain in the forecast, so uh, another con to all those pros I just <laughs> mentioned. So we'll see exactly what it looks like on Saturday, but you hope it doesn't. The diehards will be there. Yeah, you hope there, there's no negative impact if the energy is, is down from normal and that hopefully the team itself is not down from normal. Um, I think. You know, looking at boys or at Nevada, or excuse me, looking at New Mexico, uh, as mentioned, uh, they do have some weapons on offense. They've got a quarterback, Dylan Hopkins, who's throwing the ball pretty darn well. I've been watching quite a bit of film on him as I've been reviewing other teams who have played against New Mexico over the season, and I've always been really impressed how well uh, he looks on the deep ball. Um, it's not something you're used to seeing from the Lobos. They've been more of a run-heavy team for most of the last decade. Uh, some exotic looks there. Um, so if, but another thing was that he was sick last week, so he didn't play. Um, Devin Dampier, uh, a freshman is a dynamic dual threat and he can run the ball. He's one of those guys that you can imagine could rip a couple big plays on the Bulldogs that you hate to see when uh, you feel like you got everything covered and the quarterback takes off for a big gain. So he's one of those guys. Um, not a whole lot of weapons, a, a defensive scheme that's, Fairly exotic, but it's not overly effective. So, um, I, I do think that this game is going to be a bit of a grind when you factor in the injuries that the Bulldogs have in the trenches with the quarterback situation. Um, I mean, I, I don't. It's hard for me to see an outcome where Fresno State doesn't win this game, but I could see it 
being uh, not the easiest day for the dogs to get through all of it. Yeah, and that's and that's what we're concerned about is um, I think the biggest factor that's gone into this season is, you know, the Bulldogs were, were slated to be uh, this team that could potentially run the table. However, what they keep forgetting, which happens every single time to the Bulldogs, is the injury bug. And right now, the Bulldogs for lack of a better term, have been decimated by injuries um, and, and it continues to get worse. Now, granted, if they still make it to to a championship game, are they going to have enough pieces around Jackson <laughs> to even compete in a championship game? Uh, you know, that's the thing that, that lingers in my mind. Um, they really need someone to step up at left tackle in these next two games. I, I think they'll be okay just about everywhere else. Mikey Keane should get healthy. I think the D-line, if... They're not out there. Some of those guys this weekend, I don't think they'll be out too, too long. But the left tackle one is huge because we've talked several weeks this season how the O-line was our biggest concern. The pass protection was the biggest issue on the team for a lot of weeks and the best pass blockers out of the equation right now. So um, this is also an O-line that doesn't have a ton of depth. There's been no one else that has taken a snap at left tackle or right tackle besides Bomer and uh, Braylon Nelson. So um, Torian Penwright stepped into that role against San Jose State. Um, he got hurt late. Uh, Kingsley Ugwu took the last couple of snaps, the Kansas State transfer. There's Daniel Tamalolo, who has played that position in years past, a time or two. Um, Roland Fullwood is a tackle that has been in the two deep on and off over the last couple of years. So uh, – They've got two games to figure this out because if the, as long as they win and they can get by against two pretty poor teams these last couple of weeks, it looks pretty favorable right now. Well, I mean, we'll go through more of the all the scenarios that can play out. <laughs> There's a lot of them, but hold on to your seatbelts. Yeah, but it, it looks pretty favorable for Fresno State. I feel like it almost has to go perfectly wrong for them not to get in the championship game if they win these last two. They don't control their destiny, but it's pretty close to it. So that's the thing. If they get to the championship game, are they going to have someone that is now got some games under his belt and is feeling good at left tackle, or is Mikey Keene going to be running around for his life? And you know, and they say they play UNLV. The Bulldogs won that game by a slim margin. You take out your best pass blocker, that could swing the game in the other direction. So that's the biggest key for me here. The Bulldogs should get through these next two games, even if it's not the prettiest, but are they going to be the same team that beat UNLV and Boise state in the championship game? Um, barring any further injuries, I think most of the pieces are still there and they should figure it out. But that one left tackle spots, a huge one. Yeah. I, I mean, that is definitely probably the biggest hole that they have to fill right now. Um, you know, they're going to probably play around with a few combinations this week during practice to see if they can find somebody uh, that's going to be the right fit. Uh, but that left tackle is going to be a very important, uh, very important piece of the puzzle uh, in order to try and keep the, the quarterback standing upright. <laughs> uh, it's definitely going to be an issue. Um, I, I can see them trying to force the run a little bit more this week. Uh, trying to get that rolling, um, which, you know, might not be a bad idea. Mm. Uh, uh, just uh, just to give the quarterback a little bit of a break, but I wouldn't mind uh, seeing the the rookie come out a little bit and 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 testing it out. If the Bulldogs can get out ahead uh, and and get out, out ahead big, 
why not test the young guy and, and give him some snaps and just get him some experience? So I'd like to see Mandel kind of get in there. But, you know, they don't have anybody else behind Fife at the moment that would be able to fill that spot. Mm-hmm. And Fife would probably end up being the one who's going to start this game. And hopefully he can have another outing as he did against Utah State. And we could see Fife running around a lot more uh, in this game. Uh, just out of sheer necessity, Jackson, <laughs> because of that uh, that left tackle position not being there. Um, so, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I mean, let's take a look and let's, let's go down into the breakdown uh, like we usually do. Let's start off with, you know, that Fresno State offense versus that uh, New Mexico defense. How do these two match up? Yeah, New Mexico has been pretty poor on defense. There's no way to sugarcoat it. <laughs> they gave up 42 to Boise State last week, a Bronco team that <coughs> was not very motivated, I would assume, coming off the Bulldog game with um, their star receiver leaving the team and a lot of bad stuff going on around there. They still managed to put up 42. The week before, UNLV scored 56 on them. The week before that, a Nevada team that is pretty poor on offense managed to score 34. So, I mean, if Fresno State can't execute on offense, there's, I mean, even with the issue at left tackle and the quarterback status, there's not many excuses you can make if it doesn't work out on that side of the ball. So, um, you know, that Rocky Long is not there anymore, um, but it's still... Danny Gonzalez, the head coach, is under that tree, and they're still running a lot of that three-three-five stuff. It's fairly exotic. It's usually gives quarterbacks some headaches, but uh, they're not turning in, into many results right now for the Lobos this season. So uh, the thing I've recognized kind of from New Mexico's past few games is that teams have been pretty balanced against them. I kind of assume, having not watched those games, that the Broncos and the Rebels both just ran the ball on them for like four or 500 yards, knowing how good they are on the ground. Uh, but it's pretty much like 250 in the air, 250 on the ground, uh, roughly, for both of those teams in those games. So uh, for me, just the key is to kind of stay balanced, to uh, try to get the running game going. Um, if Malik Sherrod can have a good day here and bounce back a bit and make things easier for Logan Fife and the pass protection and all that, if that is the case, then uh, it should be smooth sailing for the Bulldogs on offense. But I'd expect, um, you know, a third down sack here, you know, maybe a turnover there, probably just enough for this one to not get out of hand the way that maybe the last couple of games have gone for the Lobos. Yeah, uh, I do see – I mean, I I do see that the the Bulldogs are probably going to be – even more conservative in this game if if the injuries are <clears throat> if there's still a lot of injuries on the team so they're, they'll probably end up being a little more conservative so the score is not going to be as as out of whack as as normally as the other teams have uh, done against the Lobo uh, Lobos uh, so uh, I do expect that um, just on the sheer fact that there's a lot of key injuries on the Bulldogs right now but defensively for the Bulldogs, I do see them coming out high-flying and wanting to prove a point after the loss against San Jose State. I'm guessing they're going to be fired up for this one, Jackson. So how does this look for uh, Fresno State's defense against this uh, New Mexico offense? Yeah, I guess I mentioned I've been pretty impressed by both of their quarterbacks, really. Um, Hopkins, the transfer um, that's come in, is kind of more of a pocket passer, but probably the thing that stands out is he'll only been sacked 11 times all season. So it's not just him throwing the ball pretty well. It's that he's got a lot of time to throw. He's got good protection. It, 
you don't assume New Mexico would be a team that would have that great of an O-line, but he's been doing it. And then the other quarterback, Dampierre, as well, if he's in there, I mean, just super fast. He's got 40 carries for 252 yards and two touchdowns on the season. Um, he's also thrown four touchdowns with no picks. So, um, I mean, the and that's the thing, too, with the way that Hopkins missed the last game. The Bulldogs don't really know exactly what to expect, whether uh, it's just a one-game outing that he missed or if they're going to ride the hot hand a little bit with Dampierre. He looks pretty good out there or – excuse me, Um, or if they might use both of them. So the Bulldogs have faced some two quarterback teams this year, but usually those quarterbacks are pretty similar. These guys are as far uh, different as possible as they could be from each other. So that can make things a little complicated this week. Uh, The Lobos are running the ball pretty well. Um, Their top three rushing options are all averaging over 5.5 yards per carry. Um, So this is a game where you got to be able to uh, put up at the line of scrimmage depending on who's available for the Bulldogs in the middle and uh, manage whoever's in there at quarterback try to make them a little one-dimensional at least uh, that's what defensive coordinator Kevin Coyle said was his biggest concern about this game is that the Lobos are quite balanced more so than most teams they face this year and that makes it tough to guard first and 10 second and six when you just don't know if they're gonna I mean they can pull out any play in the playbook and feel pretty comfortable about it um, at the end of the day, they haven't scored a ton of points. They haven't had many good games offensively, but um, there's enough there where if they get rolling, it could be trouble for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm I'm counting on the fact that the Bulldog defense uh, is licking their wounds from the last game, and they're going to come out wanting to prove a point. <laughs> um, and don't be surprised if uh, if they try and 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 turn a shutout like they did earlier on in the season, um, which. Uh, it, it could very well happen um, if they get things rolling in the right direction for the defense. It'll make that uh, make things that much easier for the offense, and so uh, I expect to see them really coming out, taking some chances early on, and really um, establishing themselves early on in this game, just to just to try and get uh, New Mexico out of rhythm early, and uh, and really get things rolling in the Bulldogs' way. So this. <clears throat> this game could be very interesting. Now, last week, special teams did not come into play at all, Jackson, <laughs> uh, as it did against Boise State. Uh, so they were relatively quiet on special teams. Um, is is this another opportunity that the Bulldogs can distance themselves with special teams play? Um, similar kind of thing with the kicking game as last week where New Mexico is not kicking a lot of field goals. Um, as mentioned, San Jose State didn't either, but they didn't really have to. <clears throat> so that didn't come into play. Um, but it's another one where you know the Lobos, if they get into field goal range, or there might be a team that's going to go for it a little more often. Uh, they're not all that reliable. Six for nine on field goals. Uh, their kicker has a 47-yarder under his belt that is long. So um, we'll see if the, the Bulldogs can – make something happen on returns but you know if it comes down to threes uh, at least you feel like the Bulldogs should have a pretty good advantage it's also I'm curious to see if senior day plays a, a role here at all just because uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Carson King is a he's a super senior Nick D'Ambra the long snapper is a super senior so um, there's only 13 super seniors on this team that are out of eligibility and two of them are pretty prominent specialists so 
maybe they do something nice for those guys or I, they feel extra motivated. I think we're, we're, we're nearing the end of the super seniors, aren't we? I think this is the last year. Uh, we're getting there. There's still some more. Jeez, oh, um, 25 <laughs> should be the last year. Um, recruits that came in in 2020 that year didn't count. If they registered in 21, then they're eligible through 2025. So got a few more years of this. Oh, and geez. as of now, Fresno State, to my knowledge, hasn't declared anyone out of the norm that we would have expected to be honored on senior day. Um, but we'll wait and see. You know, last year, Jalen Cropper and Evan Williams showed up the last couple of days as being announced as the senior day class. So uh, we'll see if any of the seniors with eligibility do join that group on Saturday. Now nah, that would be interesting to see if they do show up, but I mean, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> There's still, still super seniors out there. I thought we were going to see the end of that. Um, what I do like is that Fresno state is honoring the actual seniors. <laughs> we were at Cal <laughs> on Saturday before the Bulldogs Spartan game. Yeah. And they just honored every single player that is a senior, whether it's super senior or they have more eligibility. Yeah. Like 30 guys came down the tunnel. So, oh yeah. Um, that, that was a feel l- very special. That was a long intro. <laughs> that was a long intro of just player after player. But uh, yeah, this is, it's usually a, a special night for those players to come in and, and, and do that. Even some of the players that, you know, came into Fresno, the, really didn't really shine and 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 get a whole lot of playing time they still get recognized out there um so we'll we'll see some of those guys uh out on on the last game last home game of the season barring a barring a miracle of events happening that the bulldogs host the championship i mean <laughs> it's still not out of the realm of possibility but a lot of things are going to have to go the bulldogs way in order for that to happen and so that brings us that brings us out of this matchup and now Jackson it brings us into the turmoil of what is the Mountain West Conference <laughs> and what it means right now as to where everyone stands and what it means for the Bulldogs. Right now you've got two teams that are the clear front runners, Air Force and UNLV, 5 and 1 in conference overall play. But the key here Jackson is these two teams have to meet each other this week. So one of these teams is going to drop, and they're going to drop in line with Fresno, Boise, and San Jose State, who all still have a run at that title um, spot. But right now, if all of those teams, if if one of those two teams loses and Fresno, Boise, and San Jose State all win, you're, you're thinking Fresno State is still the number two team. Yeah. If it comes to computers right now, the Bulldogs are the top team in the whole conference when it comes to computer rankings. Most of them, still, they are. Um, and it's weird because the mountain West doesn't necessarily clarify which computers they use. And it could get, could get very <laughs> could convoluted. Get controversial. And, um, but it's hard to imagine that there's a, a group of computers that would, be significantly different from what the consensus is and the other thing is if air force or unlv loses they're going to fall in those rankings fresno state wins the next two they should keep rising a little bit so so the um, the key is if fresno wins its last two games they're in almost (laughs) (laughs) and you love it how he does that almost i mean it's pretty close but it's not foolproof um we have uh, one of our favorite posters on the board, uh, Walter. 
Um, I haven't fact checked his post, but I think he's got it right. He said, if the Bulldogs win the next two, there's 32 different ways all the other games can play out in the conference over the next two weeks. And according to him, 30 of the scenarios play out right for Fresno State to advance to the championship. There's some of them are against UNLV, some of them are against Air Force. There's even one against San Jose State. So, uh, most of them are on the road, some are at home. Um, so there's, I mean, you can't get into every scenario. There's so many ways that this could play out. But I think the most clear path where Fresno State gets left out, um, which you got to root against, is if Air Force wins its last two and if San Jose State wins its last two, because that means Air Force would be 7-1, and one, San Jose State would be 6-2, and two, UNLV and Boise would both be 5-3. and three. So the Bulldogs would be in second with San Jose State with a head-to-head tie that they would lose that tiebreaker because of what just happened. And there's, I believe, one other scenario. A lot of weird things have to happen for it to, to happen. Um, Boise would have to lose to Utah State, I know. Uh, I can't remember the exact way it would have to shake out, but um, it, it, it's unlikely. So I think as long as Air Force and San Jose State don't both win out, it looks good for the dogs and the good news is that Air Force is looking pretty bad right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they had two of those types of games San Jose that the Bulldogs just had at San Jose State in a row. Their quarterback got hurt again last week as they lost at Hawaii. Um, so it feels unlikely that they're going to win the last two, especially since they have to play UNLV this weekend. They've got to play Boise State still. Maybe they bounce back and figure it out. But um, So the hopes is you we need a UNLV win this week. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um. <laughs> that's what we need. <clears throat> so the way it's looking like, let's let's take a look at what we have on the schedule so far. We've got uh, we've got Hawaii against Wyoming. We've got Nevada at Colorado State, UNLV Air Force, Boise State, Utah, New Mexico, Fresno State, San Diego, San Jose. Now I see some key games here. I mm-hmm. there's still some these games that could go either way. And the first one that I'm looking at, well, we've got Hawaii and Wyoming. If Hawaii can knock off Wyoming, um, Wyoming is officially mathematically eliminated from even making a chance at it. I mean, if they lose, they're gone. So you want to break that one down real quick, just just for you know, just for. Oh, I mean, Hawaii's kind of hot right now. Two wins in a row. Wyoming looked. I mean, they got beat up pretty good by UNLV. So uh, this is you, you don't think of it as a rivalry in the Mountain West, but it is. They got a trophy for it and. Uh, things get weird when you've got the Hawaii going to Laramie or Wyoming going to the islands. It's as contrast of a climate as you can get. So um, that's one of those ones that can be weird. I assume Wyoming's good enough. They're going to figure it out. But uh, I still, I mean, three losses, it would take, which they already have, it would take something extremely bizarre for them to get back into this equation. Yeah, so that you know, Wyoming is 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 on life support. Let's say that they're on life support, so they 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 have a very 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 big outside chance of making it. Now, the next game, Nevada, Colorado State, doesn't really mean a whole lot except to Colorado State, who is still in the hunt for uh, bowl eligibility. But in order to do so, Colorado State needs to win their next two games, and they're taking on Nevada, who has been struggling. Any any chance uh, Colorado is going to be able to pull this one out? I think so. They're favored by 12 and a half, and Nevada's been kind of pesky the last couple of weeks, but <laughs> I think the Rams figure it out. They've got uh, another winnable game next week at Hawaii, so 
this should be a motivated Colorado State team to try to get to that bowl game. All right, so the next matchup, that is the key game, probably the one everyone's going to be watching, and that happens at 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the afternoon, so it's going to be done before the Bulldog games even start, and that's uh, Air Force taking on UNLV, and of course, Air Force is going to be at home at this one. UNLV has to travel, but UNLV has looked really good this year. I think UNLV is going to go in and take this one. I think so, too. Um, I'm almost surprised Air Force is favored by three even at home, even with their overall resume. Falcons just look out of whack the last couple of weeks, and UNLV is as hot as they've been. So um, uh, I would be surprised if the Rebels don't win this one. But, um, you know, you never count out the service academies to buckle <laughs> down and put together 60 good minutes of football. Yeah, they're, they're very well disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> so the next matchup, Again, this is another key matchup. Boise State takes on Utah State, and this one is going to happen in Logan, Utah. Now, we we have mentioned this several times. This is basically a could-be-a-trap game for Boise State. Now, Boise State started off the year not playing so well, but have gotten better as of, uh, as of <laughs> late. Um, and now uh, it looks like the, um, the Bulldogs, or not the Bulldogs, but Boise State – is uh is reeling a little bit. You know, they fired their head coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but they still have a chance to get the Mountain West Championship. Head scratcher a little bit there, Jackson? <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, we should probably touch on that after we go through the, the teams. But it seems like a lot of programs are changing the timeline a little bit, knowing that the portal is coming around the corner and, and you're trying to get a new head coach in there before uh, the whole team takes off or uh, that they have someone ready to recruit a new team if they need to. So... That seems to be the case, and it feels like, from what I'm seeing, this could be a rallying point for the Broncos. It seems like Avalos maybe was not all that well liked within the team, <laughs> um, and I think I think there had to have been some of that in there for them to make a move, um, just because he is a Boise State guy, he's an alum, hasn't been all. I mean, well below their standards for his three seasons, but. They won 10 games last year and seven as, as a first-time head coach the year before that. And they're still in the conference championship race. So I think things had to have boiled behind the scenes for them to actually pull the trigger on this that early. And it might pay out for the Broncos. They might rally here. <laughs> um, but uh, the they are a team where they're kind of the opposite of Fresno State where – there's almost no scenario where they're going to win these tiebreakers at the end of the, the season. Uh, maybe the Air Force win uh, could do something for them, but um, yeah, they, they've got a, a tough road to get to the championship. So I think even though they're technically alive, it's more about pride and make sure they're not the first Boise team, Boise state team with a losing season since the nineties. Um, yeah. But I kind of like Utah state here. They got Lega back at quarterback. Um, they're throwing it around really well again. And, Boise State does not defend the pass very well, as we saw here at Valley Children's Stadium. So I think Utah State at home wins this one. Yeah, and if that, and if Utah State wins this one, that takes care of part of the equation uh, for the Bulldogs. So uh, root for Utah State to win this one, people. Um, <clears throat> last game uh, that's on here that is not the Bulldogs is San Diego State uh, taking on San Jose State. And this one, of course, is going to be in San Jose. Uh, so they're going to have home field advantage for this one. I, if it was the other way around, I would, I would feel a whole lot better about this one, Jackson. <laughs> but San Diego State has not been able to do much this season. 
do they have enough to kind of come out and surprise San Jose? I don't think so. Um, and Brady Hoke, their head coach, just resigned. Or well, he announced he will retire at the end of the year. Um, I don't think that's going to be a rallying point for the Aztecs. They seem to have kind of quit on that coaching staff a little bit, and I don't think that's going to change here in the last two weeks. Um, I thought maybe if Fresno State was ranked going into San Diego State, maybe that would wake up the Aztecs, but uh, that's just probably not going to be the case after the last Bulldog loss. So, um, yeah, I think the Spartans roll and uh, take whatever fights left in the Aztecs out for the last week of the season. Now, with all those matchups being um, all being all said and done, you know, if we get uh, Wyoming loses, that will push them down further in the standings. Um, and then if we have UNLV win, they leapfrog Air Force. And I believe Fresno State should leapfrog Air Force as well. Um, and then, of course, if if Boise loses, San Jose is right behind with uh, Fresno State. Now, granted, they have a head-to-head tiebreaker, but does does that automatically work with a head-to-head tiebreaker, or does that go to the go to the uh, overall rankings, Jackson? Again, this is all hypothetical. There's there's a lot of moving parts here. If if Fresno State and San Jose State have the same record, and they're both tied for second place, what does that mean? Yeah, if they're the only two teams tied, uh, then head-to-head is the tiebreaker, and it decides it. Um, if you've got three teams that are tied together, uh, you could have the only way you have a tiebreaker here. First, all three of them had to have played each other or you need one team that beat both the other teams. So that's a case where if you had UNLV, Fresno State, San Jose State, all at six and two and um, the Spartans would have beaten both of those teams. So San Jose State would win that tiebreaker. Uh, Fresno State would then have the tiebreaker over UNLV after that. Uh, whether it's computers or head-to-head, whatever you would get to there. So, um, again, most of these situations boil down well for the Bulldogs, but you don't want the head-to-head. So, um, I mean, then there's (laughs) – you could have all five of these teams finish 6-2. and (laughs) I I I think I brought that up last week. I was going to get to that. (laughs) I was going to get to that. You know, there could still be the possibility where the end of the season happens and then we have five teams at 6-2. and (laughs) <laughs> and what happens there, Jackson? Does it automatically go over to the to the uh, rankings after that? Yeah, it goes straight to the computers. And again, Fresno State is good there, um, pr- presumably. So, um, yeah, it, I, I warned you a little bit about this last year. Uh, <laughs> we did a, a deep dive into last year's standings about how complicated things could be the next year without divisions and now here we are and um yeah so we'll see if they get two clear-cut teams in the championship or if it's uh, a lot of fan bases that are upset about this because it could go that way too and again fortunately i mean since fresno state basically took care of business and non-conference uh, they are in good shape uh, with the computers that take into account the entire season and not just the conference play yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to be interesting to watch here um, as things progress. Uh, it is the math is only going to get more and more complicated. Um, the only thing we can hope for is there is no five teams <laughs> at six and two, or maybe we want that because then Fresno is automatically in. I don't know. There is a number of different scenarios that's going to happen. Um, 
you know, we're, we're breaking it down for you this week. And then next week we're going to break it down again because we're going to have an even clearer picture of what needs to happen. But as of right now, the, the key ingredient is Fresno state needs to win. UNLV needs to win. And, uh, you know, San Jose maybe get tripped up and so does Boise. So those are the, the key things that we need to happen. Uh, whether or not they're all going to happen, that's, uh, yet to be seen. Um, but I think at least at least the Bulldogs winning and maybe Boise losing might happen, Jackson. What do you think? Yeah, you know, you almost kind of hope Boise State's in there so that there's oh, the tiebreaker. A, another two-loss team that Fresno State's <laughs> beaten. Uh, if you get Fresno, Boise, San Jose all tied, it, it cancels out the Bulldog loss to the Spartans. So, um, I mean, yeah, they're... Uh, just as long as Air Force and San Jose State both don't win the next two weeks uh, and the Bulldogs do win, I, I think we're looking at the dogs playing for a championship. So that's kind of the, the measuring stick I'm using for all these complicated <laughs> scenarios. Yeah, so that's uh, that's about to get very interesting here in the next, uh, the next week or so. Uh, so this weekend is going to uh, really open up a lot of different possibilities. So uh, keep an eye on those. The key matchups... You need, we're, we're going to be watching UNLV Air Force, Boise, Utah, and of course, San Diego State, San Jose State. Those are the three games that we have to keep an eye on. Um, you never know. San Diego State might surprise the hell out of us. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but uh, we need a San Jose State loss and an Air Force loss in order to help things along for the Bulldogs. So th- that is definitely going to be something that we'll all have to keep an eye on. But that being said, Jackson, you know, we, we there was some uh, news uh, for some uh, you know not some good news uh, that was just recently reported. Uh, one of Fresno State's old um, or or alumni that used to play here at Fresno State, Devin Wiley, uh, was reported I believe late last night uh, of his passing. Uh, there is no details as to whether or not uh, what what caused his death uh, at this point there is no no reports out or nothing all we know is that Devin Wiley has passed away at in his 30s and so um, that is that's the latest and is there any any other um, information you have yeah nothing else has really been reported on what happened um, just incredibly tragic and sad at 35 years old and and gone and a, a former bulldog that a lot of fans, really enjoyed watching play and it was a fan favorite for a lot. Um, the way that he made big plays on offense, his punt returning abilities that landed him with all American honors by a lot of outlets. Um, he was a fourth round pick in the NFL draft and, uh, made a lot of big plays in some pretty big games for Fresno state. Um, we've got, um, uh, story honoring Devin Wiley on our, our barkboard.com and, kind of going back through his time as a bulldog and reliving his plays. And thankfully there's some good footage on YouTube of his time as a bulldog that highlights a lot of what's included in the story and pulled some of the quotes we saw on social media. I think that's probably the thing that sticks out to me is that a lot of the former bulldogs and coaches who worked with Wiley, they typically comment about things that aren't football when it comes to Devin Wiley about what a vibrant personality he had, um, a lot of interest away from football. Uh, he was known 
to be a guitar player and I believe been some bands during his time at Fresno State. Um, there's a video of Derek and uh, Wiley playing guitar together, and uh, David Carr even mentioned that on on X. Um, uh, you know, a lot of high praise for who he was outside of the football field too. And you know, he was in that kind of um, that window for me uh, as someone who grew up being a Bulldog fan and going to games. And then turning into media, you know, I, I watched him make a lot of big plays his first few years, and then I got to cover him as a reporter the last couple of years. So, you know, that was a an interesting time where, you know, I, people turned from kind of heroes to cohorts, and um, he was always very nice to me and to the media from everything I'm aware of, and just a really good person on top of being a really exciting Bulldog. So, I mean, this was just horrible news to hear and i know it's hitting a lot of the red wave pretty hard now of course i i refer to devon as wiggles Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what uh, david carr used to call him uh just uh, every time they would pass the ball to him or he would get the ball uh david carr said that he would always find a way to just wiggle out (laughs) of the defender um and so uh that name stuck um and uh david carr would call him wiggles and and it kind of got around with the media as well and Kind of, kind of turned into his little nickname there. But I do remember as well. Even before I started working with the Barkboard, I do remember uh, watching him play uh, with David Carr, and really uh, was very, um, you know, he was an instrumental piece in getting the Bulldogs to the next level of where they were. Um, I always looked at him as the the fastest. At one point, was the fastest uh, Bulldog mm-hmm. on the field. Uh, when he was playing, so he he was definitely uh, someone who made a difference and is going to be sorely missed out in the world. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I know I I don't just speak for myself, but for for everyone at the bark board, that all our thoughts and prayers go uh, go out to the uh, Wiley family. So uh, we'll you know uh, we'll definitely have him in our thoughts and his family in our prayers. So. Um, that any anything else you'd like to say jackson um i mean yeah you you got it um one thing that just kind of took me aback a little bit right in the story was the signing class he came in with ryan matthews and philip thomas and chris carter that was a big class yeah i mean wow (laughs) It's, it's hard to imagine all those guys were all signed at the same time and um they all panned out. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, that was something Pat Hill was good at. Yeah. He found that talent. And uh, Devin was one of those guys that was under the radar for a lot of other places. But uh, Pat Hill took a chance on him, and it really paid off. Uh, but, yeah, this is definitely going to be oh, – it's a sad day for uh, for the Red Wave and, uh, and all the Bulldog faithful. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's much more we can say about that at this point. But uh, moving on from that uh, somber uh, topic, let's go into another somber topic of uh, Fresno State basketball. Um, how are they looking this year, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, nice segue. <laughs> um, yeah, the Bulldogs played a basketball game on Saturday at Kent State, a game that if you were in San Jose, you probably weren't able to track very closely. Uh, it was just a couple hours before kickoff. And um, uh, the Bulldogs... Played pretty competitively against, you know, when you think Kent State, you probably think of that football team that came here and was stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Their basketball team is pretty darn good, and they're one of the contenders in the MAC. And 
they've got a really good reputation and they've started off the year pretty well as well. So not a lot of shame in losing that game. But um, in addition, uh, you did have Eduardo Andre who was ill and didn't play very much. Isaiah Pope did not travel with the team, so they're pretty shorthanded. Um, the true freshman, uh, Isaac Tavares, uh, he had a, a pretty good game out there. and That's exciting to see. Not someone we really expected to be much of the equation for the, the basketball rotation this year. Um, but, you know, save a little bit more for next week. Um, tonight, as we were discussing, uh, they've got a home game against Morgan State, so we'll see how they look there. Uh, next week they go to Cancun. They're going to have a couple of – uh, games against some peer group teams that should tell a little bit more about the dogs. So, um, you know, a lot of pieces are still coming together and some of those pieces are unavailable or hampered right now. So um, I- I'm getting less encouraged about what the ceiling of this team might be <laughs> after the first couple of outings, but well, let's just say I, the I ceiling is fast approaching. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't think we have a, a fair total view of this team quite yet. So, um, We'll see what happens here as the non-conference continues. So, in other words, Jackson is saying when you enter the room, uh, you need a duck because the ceiling is that low <laughs> at this point. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those seasons where it's it's not gonna be a fun season for the Bulldogs at the moment unless something miraculously happens and there's a breakout player that we are not on our radar for whatever reason. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, we'll be having some basketball coverage uh, this year uh, and making sure that you get the latest news and updates at the bark board. Now, Jackson, we're, we're getting to the end of November here. So that means the signing period is fast approaching for Fresno state football recruits. And you and I both know they have had quite a, quite a huge turnout week after week after week at home games and how is that boating for for the bulldogs right now is they they still have a lot of open spots or are they they're pretty close to rounding out their whole class yeah there's it's such a moving target now with portal and covid seasons and everything that's applying right now um as of what we know right now, we're expecting 13 players to be recognized as those super seniors on Saturday. Again, they could grow. So that's <laughs> not many spots. And the Bulldogs have 11 commits, so they're pretty close to equalizing that right now with the high school ranks. But, you know, as we saw last year, I mean, the Bulldogs had a good season. Um, they won the championship, and like 20 guys left the team in the portal when it was all said and done. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I would expect – Probably double-digit exits. I think that's just kind of the norm right now. It's not anything to say about the program or anything like that. It's just college football right now, and that should give the Bulldogs another probably 10 spots or so to go get portal players, get junior college recruits. I think that'll pretty much be the next wave here, but uh, a couple more high school spots. We're seeing a couple offers go out. Um, I would expect this to be a pretty big weekend for recruiting visitors since um, – there's not a lot of teams that are left at the high school level that are still in the playoffs. So a lot of players should be more available, especially those outside of the Valley. And, um, you know, the Bulldogs have had big groups of recruits, but not a huge turnout in terms of those key prospects, just because they've pretty much got commitments from those guys already. And there's not a lot of spots left. So um, it's going to turn up here real short after the regular season. Um, but it's a little bit of a 
calm before the storm right now. Yeah, and I, I know you and I are going to try and, and get out there and, and uh, at least catch up to one of those guys who have committed to Fresno State uh, uh, and, uh, and, and try and get you some more information. But uh, it's looking pretty good for the Bulldogs right now, recruiting-wise. There's a lot happening. Uh, Bulldogs are filling up. Like Jackson said, there's a lot that could still happen, especially with the transfer portal these days. Um, it is the transfer portal is its own living, breathing monster <laughs> at the moment. Um, and there's a lot of talk going around that there should be a little bit more oversight on the transfer portal. Um, uh, Jackson, I am, I'm, I'm kind of in that, in that camp a little bit. Transfer portal should be used only for certain criterias. Right now it's the complete wild west, Jackson. Any, any thoughts on that as far as them trying to clamp down on that? Yeah, I think they've started to crack down more on the, the two time transfers, uh, making sure players aren't going somewhere every other year. I'm going to play here. Oh, wait a minute. I like the weather over there better. I'm going to go over there this year. Pretty much. but. Part of it is, you know, you can transfer once and then you can transfer again as a grad transfer. So three schools in five years is still covered by this setup. Um, so for me, uh, it's hard to regulate much of this now where it's at. But what I would like to see is just a cap. I mean, forever and ever, it was 25 scholarships for high school recruits. And no one ever saw a problem with that. So I uh, I'm not sure why it's the norm now to sign 50 players for some of these schools uh, when you count transfers in high school and JUCO and everything. So, And then, and then if you have a cap, then less players are going to want to leave their school knowing that there's less spots to go somewhere else. So uh, yeah. I, I don't see it happening the way things are going, but I, I would kind of like to see, you know, you can sign 20 high schoolers, 10 transfers or whatever, and that, that's it. And I think that would rein a lot of this in by just the nature of that system, but that doesn't seem to be what the NCAA is in agreement with. And they're letting this thing fly. Yeah. So this, uh, this, I, I think that there's going to be uh, in the next few years, there's going to be uh, a lot of problems happening to the point where they're going to need to regulate it right now. It's the wild West. Everyone is just going wherever they want to go. Um, a lot of players are leaving because they want to get more playing time, which bodes well for Fresno. Let's 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 face it. Oh, we wouldn't have had Nico Remigio show up if that mm. were the case. Um, and so uh, things does happen in 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 our favor, but at the same time, uh, positions such as offensive linemen, Fresno's never going to get those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the big boys want to have all the linemen, <laughs> so they they hoard them. Uh, so this is definitely going to be something that's uh, is going to have to get regulated at some point in the in the future. How how when how and when that's going to happen? That's yet up uh, yet to be decided. As if whether or not they're going to start cracking down on it, but they they have tightened the reins just a bit on it. So expect more changes in the future. Now, Jackson. That being said, before we wrap it up, any final thoughts? Yeah, just be sure to head to barkboard.com. We'll be covering um, all this week's prep and uh, what we're allowed to this week. It's a little tighter, as mentioned, and um, got this senior day. We'll have a lot of features on the seniors and about the uh, festivities and the celebration on Saturday and uh, basketball as well as colliding. And, and we've got recruiting picking up here. So uh, the big three are all happening at once, so you don't want to miss it. And head over to barkboard.com. It's just a dollar if you want to join VIP to try it out for your first month. 
I've got 30% off a year right now if you want to try it that way. And um, yeah, make sure you get in on all the inside scoop here as Fresno State goes down the wire for football. Yeah, uh, so the you know, keep an eye out. Head over to the bark board. Get your information. Get your fix. Uh, that's where everything's going to be at. Uh, make sure you head on over. Um, that being said, if you want to find Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Head over to our Facebook page. Uh, we're 8,000 8, strong and growing uh, every single day, so be a part of that community. And as always, head over to thebarkboard.com where we have both uh, free and premium subscription. But again, the premium subscription is where you want to be at because there's news there that we don't necessarily report out to the general public. Uh, so if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, there you go. Get a, get a Barkboard subscription and give it to your uh, significant other. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.